Hello and welcome to Forgotten Tomes, the nerdy book club podcast where we look at spin-off and tie-in novels, discuss them cover to cover, and see if they're worthy finds or deserve to be forgotten. I'm the leader, Corey. Joining me this week is the reader, Haley. Hello. Uh, the nerd, Josh. Hi. And the guest, Liz. Hi. If you want to support us directly, you can head over to our Patreon page, where you can find links to our other episodes and upcoming books. And today, we are talking about Mass Effect Deception by William C. Dietz. And I'd like to take this time to apologize to my co-presenters for subjecting you <laughs> to such a horrible, horrible book. Uh, when I picked this up, I, I wanted to, for our pilot episode, I wanted to do uh, a book that I had no emotional attachment to. Sure. And so that way, like, if this doesn't take off, then I'm not, like, I'm not, just not completely bummed out. Uh, so I was thinking, what book could we do? And I dimly remembered a very horrible Mass Effect novel from around 2011 that made the rounds on uh, gaming sites and everything uh, for just how poorly it adhered to the continuity of Mass Effect. And so I was like, great. Let's do that and see if there's any, like, let's see if the continuity mistakes are the only thing that's wrong with this book. They're not the only thing that's wrong with this book. This book has plenty of other problems on its own. Oh, boy. Uh, hang on. I'm going to... Oh, lights. lights. Yes. Light, lights. That lights would help. be helpful if we're going to be reading things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <clears throat> let's, let's go around the table. Liz, what is your experience with Mass Effect? Um... As someone who's played the first and um, second games and currently on my way to starting the third one. Mm-hmm. Is that about the book? Just about your experience? Yeah, just about your... Okay, so I love the franchise. Um, I don't really know how to say other than the fact that I like it. I like the characters. I enjoy mm-hmm. the plot. Um, yes. All right. Uh, Josh, what's your experience? Well, my experience with the Mass Effect franchise is that I've played uh, games. I haven't played through three. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a nerd, I read a lot of fan fiction about it. Um, <clears throat> we'll get back to that later. We'll talk about the actual book. Mm-hmm. And my favorite thing about the Mass Effect franchise is the lore of everything, of how the science of everything fits together and the space magic actually being science. And yeah, this is the nerd coming out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, my experience, I'm perfectly familiar with it. Uh, I've My only experience with it is watching a playthrough of uh, Mass Effect 1 uh, on YouTube. Haley, what is your experience? I have zero experience with Mass Effect, so I came into this knowing nothing. And that's why she's the reader. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so a little bit about the book, about the book and the series. Mass Effect is a third-person shooter with RPG elements released in 2007. About 100 years in the future, humans discovered the ruins of an ancient alien civilization on Mars and reverse-engineered their Mass Effect technology to conquer the stars, only to discover they'd already been taken by races with far bigger guns. (laughs) You play as Commander Shepard, gender and appearance indeterminate, a special forces operative of the Citadel Council tasked with keeping the peace and eliminating threats to the galaxy. You recruit, socialize with, and seduce crewmen and women aboard your ship, the SS Normandy, as you flit from planet to planet, taking problems the council is too stupid, incompetent, or politically deadlocked to deal with, and shooting them in the face. (laughs) The series is billed as a space opera, combining the flashy powers of the Jedi and Sith from Star Wars, here called the biotics as they get their bullshit psychic powers from cybernetic augmentations, with the political intrigue and moral quandaries you would expect to see from Star Trek. 
By 2012, there had been two games, a smattering of comic books, and three previous novels. Revelation, released in May 2007, Ascension, released in July 2008, and Retribution, released in July 2010, all written by Drew Carp... Cap Drew Capuchin of the Banalish Capuchins. What? That joke is going to land far better when we read Bloodlines slash Invasions. Okay. Uh, on January 31st, Mass Effect Deception, written by William C. Dietz, joined the library of Mass Effect Media, and it was almost immediately panned for its poor adherence to the lore established across two games and three novels. A group of people compiled a 16-page Google document with over, I want to say, almost 200 complaints, ranging from the incredibly minor to uh, incredibly severe and continuity-breaking and... At times, offensive. So you mean I could have printed out this Google Doc and not needed to have read the book? Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> the thing is that Google document deals exclusively with lore problems. And as we're going to see, there's far more problems than that. Uh, so uh, before we get into uh, discussing the nitty-gritty details of this book, why don't we go around the room and uh, give our general thoughts on the book, uh, spoiler-free for anyone who doesn't want to who wants to experience this fresh hell from those cells, but I, I really don't recommend you do that. Liz. Okay, what exactly do you want me to say other than I, I literally started Mass Effect 1 just to try and forget this book. <laughs> Is that why you've been replaying it whenever I've been over? <laughs> All right, uh, Josh. Okay, so I have to construct my answer. <clears throat> In a PG-13 format. Yeah, you can't just launch into a stream of invectives like you did at 2.30 a.m. in our Hangouts chat. Yeah. Um, if I had this book in print, I would not pick up dog crap with it. I would burn it immediately. That is how much disdain I have for this. It's not even worth being a doggy bag. Okay, are, are there specific talking points that you'd like to mention? Mm, yes. Writing style? Uh, it was a big mm, part of the entire thing that I had a problem with. Mm -hmm. um, and character development, lore, I could go on, but I'm trying to be a little bit more positive. Okay. Uh, Haley. Um, as somebody who knew nothing about this, there are a couple of different like continuity things. Mm -hmm. um, like There are a few times in the book where they'd be talking about one character and then they'd put in the name of another character. Yeah, I noticed. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Like they'd be talking about, well, this character is doing this, but then they, in the next paragraph, it's like they'd use a different name while still describing the same thing. And I didn't know what was going on. So I think there was some poor proofreading there. Um, and then I think they spent a lot of time describing, like, oh, here's this technology. But then it's not like they described how that technology works or why it's important. Mm -hmm. Or, um, is this is this part of a is this part of a series or is it a one off? Yes, this is the fourth book in uh, a series. So uh, theoretically, if you've read the other three, mm -hmm. you should know some of these references. Then yeah, but it should be it should be a standalone. Yeah, it, it should, should be able to stand alone. And mm -hmm. I feel like it didn't stand alone. Like either I was missing things, or they didn't <clears> set <throat> everything up. No, you weren't missing anything. Um, yeah, they didn't set things up. Because uh, I thought one of the characters was somebody's biological son when he's not really. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For about half the book before I figured that one out. So. Ooh, okay. 
Uh, <laughs> my take on this is it appears to be... It's like it was written by somebody who had the Wikipedia page for Mass Effect open and just kind of like went off of that. Uh, I can see that. Yeah. I will say as part of my no spoilers review for this is that I enjoyed reading the Mass Effect wiki more than I enjoyed reading this book. Yes. I enjoyed Rage reading the wiki to figure out what was wrong with the book and what the heck these guys were talking about. It was just one guy who wrote this, right? Uh-huh. <clears throat> what the heck this guy was talking about. I enjoyed reading the wiki more than I enjoyed reading the book. Yes. Uh, so one of the things, I did a little bit of research on that, as you can see from that. And the, in the inside back cover, it gives like information about the author, and it mentions three books that he's written. Resistance, The Gathering Storm, Halo, The Flood, which when I was going into this, it's like, oh yeah, we'll we'll check in on this guy. But now it's like, mm. <laughs> uh, and Hitman, Enemy Within. Resistance the Gathering Storm does not have a page on Wikipedia, and Halo the Flood has uh, quote unquote mixed reviews. So has he kind of um, not made a living for himself? But is this kind of the genre he's in? Like he goes into a different video game, and he creates this work around it uh yeah uh his uh resume seems to be uh based around uh sci-fi uh military stuff hmm, okay. uh but the reviews for uh halo the flood uh or mixed reviews some people uh love the book uh most of the people who did chris a lot of the people who criticized it criticized it uh specifically for its writing style so and yeah. another in detail of this that may be relevant january 31st 2012 is when deception was released and drew caption wrote the three previous three books uh he left bioware uh in february 2012 to work on his own projects so i question how much work he did fleshing out the plot and then like if he left or got moved to another project because i believe drew did some work with star wars the old republic or knights of the old republic uh, it's um, Bioware. Uh, oh, yeah, I can check, though. Yeah, but I'm sure he did more. I believe he did more for Bioware, the company that makes Mass Effect, uh, than just writing novels. So I think what I suspect happened is he said, hey, yo, I'm planning on leaving to work on my own stuff. And they're like, all right, so we're going to switch you off writing the fourth novel and get you doing other things. And, oh, crap, we need a writer in a hurry. So let's pull in someone who's used to sci-fi stuff and w went down the dictionary or the phone book or something <laughs> and found this guy. I could definitely see that happening. Mm -hmm. um, I, it definitely does not feel as if the writer was, mm. let's call it enthused about, it, it didn't feel like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. It did not feel as if the um, the the author was. It's not pulling you in because the writer's not living in that. Yeah, world. I, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think that the the, the Dietz was as into Mass Effect as um, <clears throat> who was the previous guy Drew. Uh, yeah, Drew Carpishan. Carpishan. Yeah. K a r p y s h e n. No, it's y n. Why? Did I get? It's on in the front of the book. It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's two Y's in there. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So that's even harder to pronounce than I thought it was. <laughs> that is going to cut things off and start into our chapter-by-chapter chapter discussion. Uh, this is your spoiler warning. So oh, it's going by chapter? 
Well, I, I mean, well, you have a summary. What you have a summary? I have a. Su- we're not reading through the entire. Oh, th- we're not making God. an audiobook here. <laughs> oh. I've summarized things so that we can. I can read through the su- the summary, and then if there's a specific page that we want to talk about, we can halt it and dive deeper into that. Do you want to like pass the reading around for doing the summaries, or do you want to do all the summary readings? Uh, I'll or? do all of the summary reading because right. right. I don't know. I've, I've I've written this. I think I can deliver it better. We can change things up. It, it has your tone in it, and you know which words to put inflection mm-hmm. on and everything. Unlike the author of this book. Mm-hmm. All right, so to start off, Kai Lang, a sassist, racist, and extremist, infiltrates a high-class auction in the city of Thondu on behalf of his employer, Cerberus. After sitting through various lots, including a star map presumed to show the location of buried treasure in a, another galaxy, and a vial of tears from a Turian saint... They start bidding on the blueprints for a super virus designed to kill the founder of Cerberus, an individual known only as the Elusive Man. Oh yeah, I remember that part. Yeah. So in the very beginning. <laughs> Did uh-huh. we ever the... find out who the Elusive Man is? Uh, that's a plot point in Mass Effect 3. Oh, cool. Okay. He's meant does to be it, sort of does, mysterious. Does it mention Jack Harper in the book at all? I don't think it does. No, I don't think so. Okay. Because I was confused. I was like, am I supposed to know who he is by now? Or yeah, no, he's supposed to be sort it? of like man of mystery, like guy in the shadows pulling okay. the strings. Uh, yeah, that's <clears throat> good. Good idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a good summary. Yeah, and the prologue, the first sentence really, uh, is where you're supposed to engage your readers. And there are a lot of things Kai, di- Kai Lang didn't like about the place, i.e. Thondu including the crowded streets, the asymmetrical architecture, and the food. But most of all, he didn't like the Batarians themselves, not because so many of them were pirate slavers, pirates slavers, but because they were aliens and therefore a threat to the human race. That made him an extremist, not to mention a racist, and that was fine with Lang. That's, A, that's not really... I don't think that's how racists talk. Yeah. Like, ra- racists don't have... They don't really... It's... I know exactly what you're what you're trying to say, but I don't know how to say it either. Yeah, it, it's like you don't really have like the self awareness, or like if it's if you're like that overtly, like these people are a threat, then like your your fear is justified. But if it's like covert enough that you can't put your finger on it, you're like, no, I'm not racist. I know plenty of people who are batarians. Also, <laughs> this never dis. One thing that this book is horrible at is descriptions. Yeah. It never mm-hmm. describes... Yes. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so when we start chapter... Uh, I will bring that up more in chapter one. My, my problem with the prologue was that it literally only established the fact that Kylan got shot previously mm-hmm. and is a badass. Quote, yeah. unquote, is a badass. Yeah. Kai Lang works for Cerberus, is supposedly an assassin. Uh, the other thing... Supposedly an assassin. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the, rest of this, the rest of my summary. Sorry. Kai Lang throws a smoke bomb, kicks the auctioneer over, activates a grenade hidden in the gun he left with the security guards outside, which, why the hell they didn't check that, the things he left outside for explosives, we'll never know, and escapes with the blueprints, which shall never be seen, heard of, or mentioned in this novel ever again. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Yes. Like, if you're going to cut to a scene like that, have it, like, show up later. I was honestly expecting, like, should we 
like jump forward to talk about like Gillian's little data Tiff. drive thing. Oh, or, oh yeah, that I would was have expecting been... the blueprints to be in that for some yeah. reason. Hmm. Like, yeah, because it's the same sort of thing, but no, uh, it's just <laughs> the, it's the other thing. Again. Yeah, the other thing is that it mentions he was sh- shot in the leg, but he still kicks the guy. So how the hell do you kick somebody with like a leg that you need a cane for? Because the other leg, stand. Well, on the yeah, bad but leg? you've got to either stand on your wounded leg, in which case it's just gonna. Ah, Give out on you. True. Or you kick with the wounded leg, in which case you can't put enough force on it to knock out a guy. I think you jump in the air, spin around, <laughs> do like a flying kick, and then yeah. land on the ground again. See, I would have enjoyed the scene <laughs> a lot more if that was the description of the kick. There we go. Yeah, because, like, the other thing is that Kai Lang is, uh, he's described as, like, an assassin, and he uses disguises and such uh, to get around. But I think... In every other media, he's more of, like, the kung fu assassin. Like the, the ninja? Yeah. So to speak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I hate him. Yeah. You hate him? Yeah, he kills one of my favorite characters oh. in uh, Mass Effect 3. All right. Wow, so I did not know that. Thanks for mm. the spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, and you probably have a good idea of who the character is. Do I? I don't know. I know. You've played it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also been spoiled so much on it. So. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we've mentioned, like, it doesn't do a good job of describing things. So I'd like to play a little game. Josh, Ooh, pull up. Game. Go to the Ma- Josh, go to the Mass Effect wiki on your phone and pull yeah. up. Uh, let's do let's do Kai Lang first. Sure. Haley, describe Uh-oh. Kai Lang to me. Like what you what you visually... what you think he looks like. Oh. Short, skinny, dark hair, wiry. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of just a picture I've made in my head. If you were like, well, what does he look like? I'd be like, I don't know. I don't think the book ever told me what he looked like. That's just kind of what I've imagined right. him to look like. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let's do all of the... What does David Anderson look like? I'm taller, about six feet... Um, lighter hair, athletic. Okay. Do you have the picture for Kyline? I do have the picture for Kyline. All right. Let's show it to her. Let's see if I can get oh, it. Oh, dear. Screen. Here we go. Am this I going to be really embarrassed? Is Kyline. What? That <laughs> 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 huh? no, please pull up it. That makes no sense. I mean, I guess it is. But see, I don't have any if, any um, experience with the video game either. So if you'd played the video game, would you know this guy? Oh, he's I he's think only he's in Mass Effect 3. 3, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he but shows if up in the played three... number 3, or book 3 or game 3? Game, uh, three. game, game three. 3. So if you played came the out... game, you'd know him? Uh, yeah. This came out before uh, Mass Effect 3. Uh, but Kai Lang <laughs> is in the previous uh, three novels. So okay. if you read this at the time of release, you wouldn't know what Kai Lang looks like. Right. This is Anderson. Nope, not what I had at all. <laughs> In the picture, what? he's a lot older, a lot meaner looking, a lot sadder looking. I've, yeah. I, this guy in the picture looks to be about 45, and maybe, in my head, Anderson was like, mm, like 38, but like really took care of himself while this guy's got a rougher looking face. Yeah, uh, and he's voiced by, I don't know the name of the actor, but it's the guy that you get when 
you really want James Earl Jones. It's Keith David. But you can't afford him. But you can't afford him, so you get the discount baritone James Earl Jones. Wait, wait, wait. It's Keith David, right? Hold on, hold on. I know Keith David has been in... Yeah, this guy. This is the voice actor for the guy. Oh, cool. Yeah, Yeah. I think I recognize him from a couple of things. I first saw him in the the first Riddick movie. Um, For... You, you've never seen Pitch Black? No. Uh, I'm asking you. Yeah, you no. Watch You're asking the guy who's never seen a single movie if he's seen a particular movie. The answer is almost certainly no. <laughs> I like the I like the guy's acting and the voice acting is a um, really good job and then several other media things as well. Yeah. But I, I do. He is definitely the the, the discount James Earl Jones. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Chapter one. Admiral David Anderson, his romantic partner Kaylee Sanders, and their charge Nick Donahue are headed to a meeting with the Citadel Council. There is an attack at Grissom Academy. A biotic called Grayson, Paul Grayson, not his adopted daughter uh, Jillian. A uh, who called Paul Grayson? Uh, Paul. Grayson. Paul Grayson. Yeah. Why did I think his name was John? No. <laughs> <laughs> <Did you get laughs> <any better? laughs> That's the one thing I got. <laughs> yeah. I was going... So, Josh has an app on his phone, uh, or the Kindle app. It has, like, this feature where it will flash a single word from the text on screen at a time. And you can, like, dial the speed in so that, like, it flashes the words uh, about as fast as you can actually read them. And I was that going to give... painful. Uh, I'm to give you a demonstration. Yeah. I was going to give you crap for that, but... If I if I had that tool, I'd probably also use it. Because I had to read this book twice. Once uh, <laughs> once to read and to take notes, and once to write the summary. And it was it was not fun. Painful. It was painful. And you'll notice that I said Grayson there. This book. So, the back cover of the book mentions Jillian Grayson, a young woman with... Extraordinary powers. They go for like 20 pages calling this guy Grayson without clarifying that they're talking about her dad, Paul Grayson. Like, if you've got the character on the back... Also, the front cover is presumably Jillian because it's a a woman using biotic powers. So presumably that's her. Because uh, God knows Kaylee Sanders doesn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, I always thought it was Gillian for some reason. Yeah, I Gillian. don't. I think look, it can be spelled both ways. Look, you're talking to the guy who, for like about two years, thought it was pronounced Jeremino <laughs> instead of Geronimo. I'm not the guy to be asking about pronunciation. I think it's Jillian. Okay, yeah. Jillian. Okay, let's go with that. So I didn't know for a good long while that David. Yeah. Was not Paul Anderson's son. Oh. It took me until, like, he had escaped from them, and then they have to call his parents. And I was like, what are they calling his parents David? for? I think it's Nick. Nick's. Thank Nick. you. Sorry. Okay. Nick? Nick's Nick. Nick is the Nick guy Nick who they're watching. Yeah. 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 I had no idea that he wasn't their son. For whatever reason, I thought he was their son. I thought maybe Kaylee was his stepmother or something. But when they yeah, finally could... said, oh, we have to go call his parents, I was like, his parents. Yeah, like, I don't. What? <laughs> yeah, but they definitely do have uh, that relationship of like Nick, like whatever, being like the tired teen. 
Yeah. Like, he's just completely done with his parents. But then that version of Nick completely contrasts with, like, the last third of the book. Yeah. Which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I, I say horrific writing. Oh, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think Nick's supposed to, like, change as he's with the biotic underground, but... They don't really show it. Yeah, no. I think that's the problem with most mm. of this book, is that mm-hmm. Dietz is very much a tell, not show. Yes. And I just remember the writing class that we took, mm-hmm. and it was it was always um, Professor Wakeman then just being like, show, don't tell. Yes. And... I think that's why I was so aggravated with this book mm-hmm. is that it was literally like somebody telling me a summarized version of something that I felt there should be like a bit more of. And it was like, sure. well, what, where's the detail? Mm-hmm. And I don't know. All the detail went into Kylan and all of the floozies. <laughs> Can we talk about Kylan for a second? Sure. Why the hell does Dietz always focus on what the heck Kylan is eating? Oh, yeah. He yeah, because he's, like, that, in the restaurant, he? and then he, like, eats the bowl of cereal. And why is it always, like... I, I guess it could be sort of, like, a, a, a in-universe sort of, like, a way to get inside the character's head sort of thing. But why is he always eating earthbound ethnic cuisine? Hmm. Uh, I yeah. think probably because... Uh, well, he's Cerberus. They're an organization devoted to... Human oppose- Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would be okay if he said, I only eat human food and the different... That would have been okay if like he said that in his head or something like that. Or if mm-hmm. that was a part of, I don't know yeah, or if part like, the, the, the waiter brought him a menu and he's like, no. Uh, yeah, I don't want this Asari crap. I want human food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would have been more Yeah, that would have been a good character detail to mm-hmm. like show that, oh yeah, this guy is like human elitist. Mm-hmm. See, but... I don't know, it just bugged me that he, like, ordered Mexican food or something like that. And I was like, you are in space. Why yeah. are we still divided on, like, lines mm-hmm. of race when you have literal blue-skinned, monogendered beings over here? Mm-hmm. And, you know, giant lizard people, Krogans, mm-hmm. and, you know, just like... Oh, that would have been a good challenge for you also. I should have asked you to describe an Asari. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, are we in chapter one yet? Well, uh, we are in chapter one. Okay. My biggest problem with chapter one is that it literally felt like, let's look at the Wikipedia of all the different races. And this is like where Anderson like, is going to go to the council. Yeah. This one. The thing is, it feels like a Wikipedia entry. And they still got it wrong. Because... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let me see. Where was I? Paul Grayson. Uh, stormed through the place and killed a lot of students in Grissom Academy. They know Grayson was connected to Cerberus. And they believe that the advanced augments he received are from the Reapers, hyper-advanced race who comes in every 50,000 years and calls the intelligent species of the galaxy. Nick was a student at the Academy and a powerful biotic, so he's been dragged along in case Anderson and Kaylee need his testimony. The meeting with the Council goes surprisingly well. The Council doesn't believe the Reapers are back, of course, but after seeing Grayson's body, Paul's, not Jillian's, they agree that Cerberus needs to be dealt with and allow Anderson to continue his investigation. When they're in the meeting of the council, like the, they're taking like a number of hearing like a bunch of different, I don't, I don't know how it works, but like the people meeting the council before them, mm-hmm. or the person is a Corian. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Corian? Can we find no. the uh, Turian? Quarian. No, Corian. Co- Turians are the, uh, 
Have her describe a Turian. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to. Yeah, they're not going to. Uh, the Corians were a nomadic race who were typically a bit smaller than the average human. As was typical for his kind, the petitioner was dressed in a motley collection of clothing held together mm. by a variety of straps and metal fasteners. Liz, would you like to explain what's oh wrong with that God. sentence? Okay. Wait, 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 hold on. Let me find a picture of what a Corian should look like. Oh, God. Yeah, while you're doing that, Liz. Um, so, the Corians are not going to be wearing stuff like that because mm-hmm. they need to be in an environmentally protective suit because they basically have space aids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As Joshua huh. described it. Yes. Okay. Uh, their home planet has no uh, viruses or bacteria. Well, any no. S- or... um, uh, from, I've been replaying uh, the games mm-hmm. and from Tally. Um, it's because they've been living in space for so long and oh, okay. hyper-sterilized spaceships okay. that they are now um, susceptible. Yeah, to... they have no natural immunities anymore. Hmm. So they yeah. have to wear... Uh, environmental suits uh, Mm -hmm. constantly when they're interacting with other people. Interesting. Even on their own ships. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, that's tight. you see any belt buckles anywhere? Yeah. Um, Any straps? But it's not... Mm -hmm. Any loose clothing that could be... Lead to them getting caught. Read that one section again. Okay, hang on, I lost my place. As was typical for his kind, the petitioner was dressed in a motley collection of clothing held together by a variety of straps and metal fasteners. Uh, okay, look, there's three belts on this person, and they're for fashion. They're not supporting anything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's not a motley outfit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is very collected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And don't get me started when they describe the government. Oh, wait, the government of the Quarians is yeah. completely wrong? Yeah, they have a government. Oh, yeah, because they're talking in the book about how, like, oh, yeah, we're just, like, a loose collection federation of different vessels, so, like, we do- can't really set up an embassy with you. No, no. Tali got f***ing tried for treason. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Tali being a character from a previous... Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Who doesn't... <laughs> you were looking like... Who's yeah, Tally? you should. She, she's in the games and not the books. You don't have to worry about Tally. I was like, yeah, some things are gonna go up my head. And that's quite all right. Yep. <clears throat> all right. So after the meeting, however, Nick is nowhere to be found. He left the council antechamber. His phone is turned off. He's not at the gym where he trains his biotic powers. And his sparring buddies gave a He's fake address work? and also Can can't I, be found. Can I just Sorry. Say yes. This? Okay. So the Volus that was talking about. Um, okay. About, like, oh, I don't notice a... any everyone who goes through here, blah, 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 right. blah. How f***ing noticeable is Nick and his friends? Oh, my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Watch the F-bombs. Yeah. <laughs> You'll have to bleep that. I'm so that's sorry. That's fine. Um, if you want, I could just re-say that. No, that's fine. I'll just... I'll edit around it. It'll be fine. For him to remember them leaving? Well, no. The Volus was... Uh, he was in the, the council chamber. He, he was, like, the attendant... At the waiting room, I think. No, this is in the gym I'm talking about. In the gym? Yeah. He also remembers these guys' names. Hmm. Yeah, he just works out there a lot. Maybe they're bros. Yeah. Uh, no, there yeah. is a Volus, but I think oh, that's right. uh, that's the... Right. Here, I have it, uh... 
No, because there's a police officer guarding the... Page 22. There's a police officer uh, guarding at the main entrance. And he's like, it's not really my... My job is to keep people out, not in. Uh, uh, there's also a Volus at the uh, the gym. Yeah. Sorry. The Volus shrugs. I don't have time to track personal relationships um, when he's talking about the son. But I have seen them they work out together but the fact that he's like i don't have time to track that how noticeable are these people for him to know some of them by name well i mean two of them are like extremists Mm -hmm. so that kind of makes sense that he'd be like okay yeah i'm gonna keep an eye on these guys and make sure that these knuckleheads don't do anything stupid just just me being a little miffed yeah about Mm-hmm. First off, saying I don't have time, but then immediately going into, but I saw them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Chapter two. The elusive man calls Kai Lang into his office. He's learned that Anderson and Callie have permission to continue their investigation into Cerberus, and that the council has Grayson's body, Paul, not Jillian, and tasks Lang with monitoring the couple and retrieving the body before it can be used against them. Meanwhile, aboard the Corian ship Edena, Grayson, Jillian this time, not Paul has bonded with the rest of the crew and is certainly not suffering from any emotional outbursts like she had in her youth. Wait. Jillian Grayson is autistic. <clears throat> like, legit autistic? Yes. That's I a- barely remember, um... I didn't get that at all. Uh, that was... It was firmly was- established in the previous book or two books. But she's, on the, she's on the spectrum. Uh, yeah. And I think fairly firmly on the spectrum if it's... If I, speaking as someone who has not read the previous books in the series, I believe like it's pretty firmly on there. Hmm. And autism isn't about having emotional outbursts. It's about being in a world that is just completely bass backwards <laughs> in terms of your point of view. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like... There's a lot of different ways that autism can can like mm-hmm. express itself yes. in, in someone, and a lot of the ways is, is, is actually um, like communication problems, and, mm-hmm. um, like stimulation and things like that, and routine and all this other stuff. But um, if it was, I don't know, it just seems a little magic writer hand wavy. Sort of like, uh, I know this person was like this in the previous book, but let's retcon that and yeah. make it so that this never happened and we can actually use this character this way. Yeah, that's like one of the big flags that was in that 16-page Google document. That's one of the big red flags. It's like, this person has not is not familiar with the rest of the series. Yeah, it's like, I think, I don't know, it sort of feels like he read like the Cliff Notes version mm-hmm. of everything or he only had the previous writer's notes on what this book was supposed to be going for Mm -hmm. and then just sort of filled in the blanks with whatever he came up with yeah i mean let's let's not forget this is a man who's i not not to bash this guy personally but like his primary things is resistance the gathering storm which i know nothing about but i dimly remember it's space marines and gur uh, Halo, <laughs> The Flood, which is, again, Space Marines, Grr, and Hitman, uh, which is... 
Imagine if James Bond was bald and also competent. <laughs> Isn't Hitman like genetically altered or something like that? I think so. I don't so. know what the lore for Hitman is, but I thought he was like also like some sort of like super soldier type yeah. of assassin guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Space so I, I think without the space. Yeah. So I think subtlety and good characterization is not really his strong suit. <laughs> Just gonna go out on a limb and guess. Well, I hope action doesn't isn't his strong suit because if it is, he. he yeah. <clears throat> I had problems with most of the fight scenes. Yeah. Way. All right. Uh, moving on. Honestly, and, I just skimmed over them. <laughs> you didn't miss much. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't interesting enough to capture my attention. Mm-hmm. In fact, Jillian's so tight with the Quarians that she goes by Jillian Nar Edena, or Gillian of the ship Edena, in the style of the nomadic Quarians. Her guardian, Hendel Mitra, is at her side when a slaver ship tries to capture the Edena. Thanks to the experience of the Quarians and the biotic powers of Jillian, the ship overcomes the slavers, frees the 100-plus slaves inside, and claims the ship as salvage. One of these slaves is Hal McCann, a former Cerberus operative whose gambling debts landed him in slavery. He knew Grayson, Paul, not Jillian, and was one of those who captured him so Cerberus could plug him up with psionic augments. He convinces Jillian to take him to the Citadel, telling her that the clues to Cerberus and to Vengeance are there. Yeah... I had a problem with uh, the Cerberus guy. Yeah. It's like, hey, how's it going? I'm part of Al-Qaeda. It's yeah. the exact sort of like thing that happened in that book. You don't out yourself as being a terrorist in yeah. the first four lines of dialogue with someone. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and he had an opportunity to keep it to himself. The thing that I had a problem with is that in order to get back to uh, the Citadel... Jillian's like, oh, yeah, we'll just borrow the slaver ship we just took. And Hal's like, wait, really? You can do that? And it's like, watch this. I'm, I'm tight with these guys. And it's like, <laughs> there's no freaking way that they'd let you do that. Just but like, they do. Yeah, just like dash off with the salvage as soon as possible. Don't you need a pilot? Yeah. I, I, I mean, I know from the, the, the games that um, Joker... And later on, E.D. were necessary in running the entire ship. Well, it could have been because it was a special ship. Because it was yeah. special people and all mm -hmm. that. But, like, don't you need someone who knows what they're doing to be able to be, like, chart a course to this thing? And yeah. And let's get um, I mean, rail rifle. I there's navigators and... Mm -hmm. Yeah, just to get railgun shot through space when this Mass Effect... Relay. Yeah. Thing. I mean, like, if you're off by, like, 1% over... A thousand light years, you're like, you're way off. Yeah, you're you're way off. It was another sticking point, or uh, what is the what is the phrase where like something sticks in your craw or something like that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it it stuck in my craw. My craw yeah. has been stuck. Chapter three. Anderson and Kaylee get back to their apartment, and there's a voicemail from Nick. Nick doesn't elaborate, saying only that he's gone off with some friends and that there's something he has to do. Anderson and Kaylee head down to CSEC HQ, the police station of the Citadel. Nick's not on the cameras, and he's not on any of the hundreds of unidentified corpses in the morgue, so Anderson and Kaylee have a nice dinner and a quick shag before going to bed. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, that literally happens. That is a wonderful summary. Yeah, that, yeah. that literally happens. Is that They're like, oh, shit, we've got to like look through all of these corpses to like see if uh, this person that we know and with, like, treated as our own son is there well he's not there let's go let's go to a fancy dinner and like they start flirting like immediately after they get out of that morgue like that's 
I can sort of understand that. I can understand, like, we, oh, hey, like, we've got to, like, cheer ourselves up. But it's not like, oh, hey, like, we're trying to get out of this down experience. This is like, flick a switch, and, like, they go into, like, full flirt mode. Yeah. Like, again, it's, it's, I think it's a writing style problem with the telling, not showing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that if, like, Dietz had, you know, Roden, I don't know, maybe something internalized in the character rather than from a really, I don't know, the, the, the narration point of view is, like, third person and mostly distant. Yeah. And it never get really close into things until, like, the narrator suddenly says that, oh, by the way, suddenly this person's like this. There's no, like, internal monologues. Yeah, and that's or... another writing style problem <clears throat> is that you shouldn't say, oh, this person is like that. You should show us, like, what, what they're doing that makes them like that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any comments about any of this? You guys, Not Corey right and I are sort of I like mean... just, 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 just floodgating all of our vitriol at this. Mm-hmm. That's um, quite all right. Um, there is one moment where I felt um, he actually showed um, Kylan being an evil. Is this in chapter two? No, it's not in chapter two. Okay, we'll wait till oh, yeah. that chapter. Yeah. Well, right. It's like a long ways away. Yeah. We're going to be here a while, but, isn't it? Okay, yeah, that's not... Sorry, I put post-it notes inside my book so I could find stuff and I remembered. Oh, yeah, yeah I should probably too. be looking through that. But I think I think I've got all of my, all, all of my salt into this summary. <laughs> all right, so after they have a quick check. The next day, they dress up as a pimp and a hoe and walk into the shady <laughs> part of town. <laughs> yeah, I almost forgot about that. Yeah, Anderson is posing as a minor criminal so he can talk to a mob boss. Unfortunately, the guy Anderson is impersonating is 100 pounds heavier and, as of yesterday, a whole lot deader, and the crew is ambushed by a rival <laughs> gang before Anderson can learn anything. While all of this is going on, Kai Lang sneaks into Anderson's apartment and bugs it, but because he's such an adrenaline junkie, he eats a bowl of cereal before putting everything back exactly as he left it. Yeah. So I like the detail that like he's that meticulous that he can pull out the dishes and uh, all the guts to make cereal, eat it, and then put everything back exactly as he found it before leaving. And I like that he's the sort of personality to do that. But the phrase adrenaline junkie does not accurately describe that sort of person. I get what he's trying to say. There's probably just a better way of saying it. Yeah. It's like adrenaline junkie means that you're willing to like jump off of bridges with like a thin sheet of cloth strapped to your back. It doesn't mean that you break into people's houses and eat their cereal. <laughs> I mean, I think I mean, it's the thrill of getting caught or not getting caught that he's yeah. trying to talk about. Like, mm-hmm. um, it's a power move. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. If it's like, if it had been like framed as like an act of dominance, like, yeah, like I'm in your house, I'm touching all of your things and you don't, you can't do anything about it. You don't even know about it. That would have been one thing, but it's not It's not adrenaline junkie. My question is, one, where did the milk come from? I don't actually remember the scene very well. Mm-hmm. I don't know if like they have cartons of milk or if they have like a milk dispenser unit or something like that. Yeah. But my problem is, is wouldn't you be able... I figured there would be some sort of like tracking thing. Oh, the milk was used at 2.42 p.m. today mm-hmm. for a bowl of cereal. And yeah. And you'd be like... No one was home at that time. 
kind of thing. Like you could like check the logs or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. Just, just well, I mean, if it's automatic or it does provide it. a way for him to get caught. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's too messy. Or if it was like a standard modern era Earth kitchen or whatever, mm-hmm. where you have a jug of milk, how's he gonna fill the milk back up? Or maybe it it's down? just I don't know. Maybe they just like that's another thing. Like if the milk jug was like almost to empty and Kai Lang used the last of it, it's like that that'd get you caught. It's like who the hell drank the last milk? Was that you? <laughs> After I just get pr- maybe it was an egg. <laughs> Now, now, I'm, now I'm imagining he planned to eat the cereal. And, brought and he his... brought his own gallon of milk in with him. Well, no, see, to make this truly perfect, he'd have to bring in his own gallon of milk and refill the milk with the... W- refill Anderson's gallon with the milk that he brought. And I'm loving that image. It's like... It's like he's just got, like, one of those, like, little uh, brandy bottles... But he's just filled it up with milk for exactly the situation. He's just he he's he's no he's and not like the milk kid. in his butt brandy bottle is like uh, non skim. I we never we never buy anything except from skim and two percent. So I don't know like what the term for that is. Milk with fat in it. Whole milk. Whole milk. Whole milk. <laughs> I can't believe I couldn't think of that. Like the thing in his brandy bottle is whole milk, and Anderson drinks two percent. So he pours it back in the bottle, and Anderson drinks the jug. It's like, ah, what is this stuff? <laughs> I don't know. I had I had the joke. I don't know if it, it connects well, but he's not a serial killer. He's a serial eater, but um, or something like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was just imagining that like everywhere he breaks into, he just like eats a bowl of cereal on the pile of corpses or something like that. Mm. I just, I don't know. Was... Chapter 4! Jillian and Hendel arrive on the Citadel, dragging Hal along under duress. They meet up with Anderson and Kaylee and tell their story, Kai Lang listening in on the whole thing, thanks to the bugs he planted. Jillian resolves to take down the elusive man, and the other three functioning adults point out that he must be very well protected, and she storms out, reasoning that all she needs to do to kill the kingpin of a crime empire is to get better biotic augments. Okay, it's it's the equivalent of being like, okay, yeah, I can't take out this mob boss with only a pistol, but if I get an AK-47, <laughs> it's almost like the equivalent of like, I'm gonna go to the gym to get bigger biceps so that mm-hmm. I can beat down a terrorist organization. Yeah, it's like that. You need far more infrastructure to, like, you you can't just like storm in and shoot Osama bin Laden in the face. Yeah. And, like, expect, okay, yeah, now Al-Qaeda is done. It's like, no, that, that's not how that works. The, the people around him are going to, like, regroup and... Like, if you just want to shoot Osama, that's fine. Like, you you do you. Like, you, you live your beautiful dream. But, like, if you want to actually solve that problem, you've got you've to gotta tackle things on a wider angle. Yeah, it definitely seems like a very teenager-y response to it. Um... Also, Which she is. Yeah. Well, she is, but like this definitely seems like the person who thinks that it is in character for somebody who has emotional outbursts mm-hmm. that were mm-hmm. not fixed or grown out of. Yeah, she grew out of them. Which mm. is which is not something that happens with autism. You you learn you you learn to deal with it and manage it and accept that yeah, nobody in this world really knows what they're doing and Oh, well. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I have a, a sort of a, I don't know, it's a thought. I don't know if it's appropriate for this chapter section. We can delete this if it's mm -hmm. not. But does anyone feel like Cerberus wasn't really a terrorist organization? It just felt more like uh, like a gang of like four people. In this it, book, yeah. Yeah, it felt. Cerberus never like did anything. It was just Kylang watching people, and mm -hmm. I don't know. It, from my experience in the games, Cerberus is. Like the IRA from mm -hmm. Ireland. They just they bomb stuff, they kill Yeah, for a political goal. Yeah, for political goals. And I, I didn't... It definitely felt like this book was having a, a very in-depth look into the sleeper cell that involved Kai Lang. Mm -hmm. And even though he's not really a sleeper cell sort of thing, but his cell of yeah. influence and stuff like that. I don't know. The, the entire organization did not feel terrifying mm. as it does in the games going to um i don't know how to say her name kali kaylee maybe thank i've you. been saying kaylee but then again like that, that, don't that count on works. me for pronunciation okay <laughs> kaylee like she just lets jillian go out the house i mean yeah. she already lost one kid mm -hmm. this is the perfect way to lose a second <laughs> And this is before I even knew Jillian was going to go. <laughs> well, Kaylee is definitely, like, the sort of, like, passive female that you see from That's people. That's what she looks like? <laughs> oh, hang on. Th this is a perfect opportunity for Haley. Five, six, reddish hair, fair skin, blue-green eyes... Um, let's say 32 years old. Okay. About five, six. Did All I right. say that? Dramatic face reveal? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got the eyes, sort uh -huh. of. Yeah. But she's much colder. I envisioned her as more of a kinder figure. But then again, Anderson, I also figured as a more kinder figure as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is... They're both members of the military, so... Mm -hmm. You were right with the height, though. She's 5'5". Five five. There we go. Oh. There you um, go. I think, I think that the... Um, the book didn't really go too much into the background of the, or the, I don't know, the importance of the positions that the people held um, for Kaylee and for Anderson. Cause yeah, because Anderson, Anderson is supposed to be like, uh, has sort of like an ambassadorial role, but he just like, yeah, sure, you can go knock around in this uh, Wild West outpost. That's fine. Space Tijuana. It's Space Tijuana. Most likely. Okay, fine. Space Tijuana. <laughs> Like, from what I vaguely remember of playing the games years ago is that Anderson was sort of a big cheese. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, ex-soldier, hard-ass. Almost a Spectre. Yeah, we can talk about Spectres and Corys. Blunder. <laughs> uh, later, but, mm -hmm. um... Mm -hmm. <clears throat> like, almost, like... What is it? License to kill James Bond people are Spectre. It's, it's almost like a Spectre, right? Um, basically, yeah, they go do the, do the things the council can. Okay, so he's almost yeah. black ops level security and military efficiency and everything like that. Mm -hmm. And you don't get that from this book. And even in the chapter where he disguises himself as a pimp, like... Yeah, surely he, there's a better way for somebody of that authority to obtain information. And someone of that experience to do research. 
mm-hmm. on who he's disguising himself as. That uh-huh. that really is sort of like yeah. How do you screw up like the guy that you that you're imitating got shot the other day? Didn't you <laughs> yeah, also that's look not so at the smart. people in the morgue? Right. Well, I think wait, the, wait, 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 wait. I mean he could have been shot uh, oh, yeah, after they oh, went. Yeah. Oh, I, well, I mean that's that's, that's specifically for people uh, who are uh, unidentified. unidentified. Yeah. Ah, okay, okay. So if they knew who he was, he wouldn't be in there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, we discovered a new continuity here, but okay. <laughs> oh yeah, trust me. There's plenty of uh, fresh hells to dive into <laughs> with that. So now Lang has two more names on his list: Hal McCann and Grayson. Jillian, not Paul. Lang prioritizes Hal. Catches him in a casino bathroom and kills him. Uh, so the way that Kai Lang takes out Hal is, <clears throat> yeah. So <clears throat> yeah. So Hal goes into a casino. Kai Lang disguises himself, follows him into the bathroom, and they're uh, using the urinal. Not the same Ka- one. Yeah, not the same one. <laughs> uh, the two two adjacent ones, and which is against guy code etiquette. Yeah. Well, I mean. I don't know. Am I weird for always like choosing a stall? No, no. not at all. Okay. Well, I I wasn't asking you this. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no, no if offense. I was a guy. No offense. I choose a stall. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> and the other thing is, is like when when you're using the restroom, you don't talk at all. That, no. That, no, yeah, no. I don't know what it is like it's in like, girls' restrooms, but guys' restrooms, it's quiet. Yeah, no. There's it's no like talking. You, you might you might nod at the other guy. But, like, that's that's it. I mean, I guess you can sort of talk when you're, like, at the end and washing your hands. And yeah, no. As you're going out. Uh-huh. But not when you're doing your business. Yeah, not when you're, like, partially naked. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Lang sort of finishes, does the shakes, zips up, and says, Hey, Hal, how you doing? And McCann turns to look at the stranger and frowned. Do I know you? It's your old friend, Kai Lang. <laughs> McCann had stepped voice. away from the urinal... By that time. The first expression to appear on his face was one of pleasure. The second re- reflected concern. Wait, wait, You're wearing on. a disguise? Hold Why? On. Hold on, hold Sorry. on. Sorry, yes? Reread? What page is that? Hold on. Uh, page 88. See, you just said that, and my mind went somewhere completely different. What do you uh, mean? I, I added the I part heard, about the three shakes, just to know. be clear. The face, the, face, <laughs> the face, like, doing something with pleasure, I was just like, wait, 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 what? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's an odd phrase to be using in a urinal. It's a very especially odd next to, to another guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, he says you're wearing a disguise. Why? Because he's an assassin, you dumbass. You know kind that. Of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And what assassin announces himself? That is what my problem was. Yeah, that's another thing. It's like, well, why would you tell him who? You, that's just going to make your job difficult, and you already he already acknowledged that. Yeah, if this turns into a chase sequence, like my leg's bad, I'm not going to catch him. So don't give him the opportunity to escape. Just garrot him from behind immediately. Yeah. What are you doing? I'm well, getting the feeling that Kai Lang is not the super assassin that we the book tries to hype him up as. Yes, although I will say that I have been spoiled by the John Rain assassin series. Um, I'm not familiar with that. It is a really well-written um, book series about a Asian-American assassin who has a lot of martial arts training and stuff like that. But it's um, it definitely delves into like the ideas of personal security and how to how assassins choose their targets and how to. It's it's a wonderful action sort of thriller 
book series. And that's who I was imagining, actually. I just realized that I was imagining John Rain, epic assassin, being in Kai Lang. Mm-hmm. And I'm really disappointed. Yeah. Chapter 5! Jillian finally finds a surgeon willing to do the upgrades without a lengthy med check. Her new power takes her by surprise, and her doctor declares that whatever she's planning on, she's ready for it. While Anderson and Kaylee get the news about Hal's assassination, Ling is gathering the pieces for his heist of Grayson's body. Paul, not Jillian. Retina pictures from... <laughs> I'm going to do that every time Grayson's every name comes time. up in this. <laughs> yeah, every time. Because God knows he didn't do that enough. Obtaining retina pictures from a low-level functionary and two goons from a local dive bar. The theft is successful. One of his accomplices takes Grayson's, Paul, not Jillian's, place in the preservation tank and is pumped full of formaldehyde and other toxic chemicals, while the other is abandoned in a ditch. Can I just, uh, think? Yeah. Uh, that was the one thing, like, okay, this is how you show someone is evil. The fact that he just, like, yeah, yeah he kills. He kills three people to place. get this. He kills the functionary to get, uh, so that he can't tell that, oh, yeah, I gave away my biometric data. And he kills his two accomplices. That's going to come up later. But it was how he got rid of the um, person posing as Grayson's body. It's like, yeah, body. it was like, Sorry. yeah. I don't know if it was Grayson's. It's it was been Grayson's a while. Body. Yeah, it, he was stealing it Grayson's was body. Paul, not <laughs> Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the fact that he's just like, yeah, I'm just going to use this man as a replacement. Leave mm-hmm. him here to die. It's just great. Yeah. I love it. Cool. Well, it's like he tells them, like, get in the tube. Why? Well, because, like, there's got to be someone in the tube. And oh, then once they get yeah. there, like, he knocks him out and uh, just inserts him and just, like, kills him. <laughs> like, just pumps him through chemicals while he's unconscious. Like, that's, that that is cold-blooded. I like that detail. Yeah. Does anybody mm. get the feeling that this book is more, like, about Kai Lang than it is about anybody else? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, most of the detail goes into Kai Lang. Mm-hmm. I think my problem with it was I was never really clear what the end goal is. You know, there are all these little sub-stories, but it's not like there's sub-stories ever interlocked in one big scene at the end. Mm-hmm. Or they didn't have to interlock in one big scene at the end. But at the beginning... Everybody's just reacting to stuff. Right. At the beginning, we're talking about the blueprints, and then it's Cerberus, and then it's this, and then it's that. But even when I got through the book, I was like, I don't feel like we've ever resolved anything, really. Mm-mm. No. So it's just kind of this, like, journey with no resolution, and it was disjointed at best, and a lot of confusion along the way. Yeah. Yeah, and for me, so... <laughs> any of the suspense in this book, since I know what stuff mm-hmm. that happens in Mass Effect 3, I knew the elusive man and Kyleng weren't going to die. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And re- sometimes, like, you can... If you know that characters are going to survive thanks to experiencing future media, it can sometimes still work. Like, it doesn't have to be just about the wow factor of who's going to live, who's going to die if you're genuinely invested in the story. Mm-hmm. But it the, this doesn't do that. Yeah, you don't get invested. Yeah. The last thing in Chapter 5 is, Hendel spots Jillian on the train, and while he can't catch her, he follows her long enough to spot her boarding a shuttle to Omega, the Mass Effect version of Mos Eisley. Do you want it? Chapter 6 One of the counselors requests Anderson and Kaylee report to him regarding the recent events. He reveals the theft of Paul Grayson's body and the bugs Kai Lang planted at their apartment. Arya Tilok, the pirate queen, that's spelt T 
apostrophe L-O-A-K. So I'm just going to pronounce it. I feel like my pronunciation is wrong. Like this feels less like the name of an alien and more like a Fortnite streamer. <laughs> yo, 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 what's up? It's your boy T-Loke here. <laughs> Gonna shoot some noobs in the face, but first let's read that subscriber train. Okay, well, Aria T apostrophe Loke, right? Yeah. Um, I've played the games, but I don't know how they pronounce her last name. It's oh, is she in the games? Yeah, she's in oh, the games. Yes. Oh, okay. She's very much so in yeah. the games. All right. Have a Favorite problem character. With her portrayal in this particular book. Okay. <laughs> yeah. How would uh, how would you describe Aria? Um, let's say fifty-five, very poised and elegant, but also rather cold. Okay. Okay. Uh, before so, we go, how would you describe? The, okay, go ahead. Go. Uh, do you want to tell her about the lifespan? Um, because I think yeah, yeah, sounds like yeah, because they do. Uh, oh wait, some people well, were talking about being two hundred years old, so maybe she's two hundred, but she looks like like a like she's in somebody her 50s. who's fifty five, but really looks like forty two. Does that make sense? Yeah, because like, I think Asari lived for about two hundred years, so mm. like about. 110, but looks like a 55-year-old woman. <laughs> I okay. definitely think that it's like millennia, actually. Yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah. Or maybe it's like, I don't know, remember the Asari crew me member. I might be confusing her with whoever your Asari crew is in Mass Effect 1. It's like, yeah, Sierra. I'm 200. Yeah. Yeah, which is like around the age of barely into adulthood. Okay. They're space elves. Yeah. Anyways, this... Uh, Th they're space elves who exist for a fan fiction fodder. Pretty much. How would you describe an Asari? Like, what do you think that they look like as far as people go? Are they the ones who are supposed to be super beautiful? Yes. Okay. Well, did they have... I don't remember what they look like. Well, anyway. They were kind of minor characters, so I just didn't really pay much attention. I just kind of went, okay, they're there. Mm -hmm. Moving on. They're basically... All the aliens are basically window dressing. Yeah. Yes, which was something that I had a problem with. Anyway, mm -hmm. this is Arya. Would not have expected the purple skin or the blue eyes. I saw her as more of like dark featured. With yeah. like beautiful hair. You know what I mean? It is is her skin actually purple or is that the lighting? Um, I think the sorry skin ranges from like blue. Okay, because I'm used to it being like very very uh light blue. Like the like on that bowl over there. Like this is this is the yeah like that color. Mm-hmm. Mm, they have millennium long lifespan. Okay, mm. so a thousand years is typical for them. Okay. Yeah. Well, there we go. All right. <laughs> uh, Where were we again? Oh yeah. Yeah. Arya, Arya Tilok, the pirate queen, has left her residence on Omega to bur bury her daughter on the Asari homeworld. Lazella was Grayson's lover, Paul, not Jillian. And when Pylai <laughs> kidnapped him, he, sit, he slit Lazella's throat. Grayson, Paul, not Jillia, was a drug addict. Most suspect the attack was simply gang violence, but as Arya's facade breaks down and she begins to cry, she promises Lazella that she will find the truth. Aboard the freighter Anderson and Kaylee chartered to take them to Omega, they are engaged in coitus when there is a knock at the door. <laughs> Hendel has beat up two of the crewmen and locked himself in a storeroom. When they retrieve him... Hendel admits that he drank heavily, feeling guilty about how he failed to protect Jillian. Yeah, I vaguely remember that scene. Yeah. Yeah. It seems it's like the it only... cliche to me. Yeah, it's very cliche. It's the only... It's like this and 
maybe like a couple of other scenes are the only pieces of character development here and they feel really out of place mm-hmm. it's like they were trying to set something up here but then they never finished it later yeah I will say this the character I am most invested in in this book is Arya mm-hmm. <laughs> that yeah. I get I mm-hmm. get that she has like the most motivation to yeah. do stuff and the ability to do it mm-hmm yeah, I would agree with you that, that Arya is... I'm actually more invested in Kylang than anybody else. Yeah. But I also loathe him. Yeah. Not him specifically, but this portrayal of him. Mm-hmm. Just, just very... I think I was most invested in him because I was expecting him to just get more competent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As the book went on. But mm-hmm. he didn't. Didn't happen. Yeah. Nah. Chapter 7! On Omega, Nick has hitched up with the Biotic Underground, an organization that desires a sovereign nation of biotics. He takes point on a convoy carrying Mithrazon, an Asari who, as far as I can tell, is not important. (laughs) By the way, after writing that summary, I read the rest of the book and figured out, oh yeah, Mithrazon is the leader of the biotic underground. But you wouldn't know that from the way that it's described. Let me see if I can find that scene again. Uh, Page uh, 133. Oh, I've Google searched Mithrazon. You can't... She's not... There's no picture there, It's of her. just a OC. Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay. I, I think they made up the Biotic Underground for this book. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Uh, as Kim stepped into the street, Nick knew he was supposed to scan his surroundings looking for threats rather than, rather than eyeballing other members of the group. But he couldn't resist watching Mithrazon leave the building. She had a high forehead, wide-set eyes, and perfect lips. The Asari was shapely as well. However, Nick's, Nick's infatuation with Zon was more than a case of teenage hormones run amok. It, it goes on to, like, lo- lovey-govey. I just heard Asari. I'm sorry, but the mental picture I had was of a frog person. Like, I was skimming he- through the later parts of the book, and every time Mithra Zon came up, it was like a brown skin Admiral Akbar-looking fish person. Isn't there... Th- yeah, but she's... Uh, she's the leader of... The biotic underground and there's no mention to that in the first appearance it's all about like mithrazon as eye candy yeah what would have been a perfect way to resolve that if like nick was like oogling her as she went past and mithra just slapped him upside the head and been like get your shit together boy and if he's just like uh yes ma'am like that would have been a good way to convey that this person has authority yeah mm. just like a simple change as we've said before, mm-hmm. Deeds does not show him anything. He just tells you and expects you to be like, this is how it is. For somebody who hasn't read the other books or plays the games, he certainly expects that you have paid attention more than he has. Yeah. Although, I don't know how you would know that Mithrazon was supposed to be special. Yeah. Yeah, no, not, not from that. His immature antics lead to him getting chewed out by Corey Kim, one of the senior members of the BU. Jillian arrives on Omega and finds shelter at a Quarian warehouse thanks to her status as a crew member of the Adena. Nick takes, takes point on another convoy trip, this time to a meeting between the BU and the Grim Skulls, another gang. Mithrazon bets that her weakest biotic can beat up the Skull's weakest biotic. At stake is the loot distribution for their next big heist. Nick is the BU's rep- representative and kills his opponent in two hits. I, I don't know. Um, 
I didn't read the previous books. I know nothing about this guy. But he seemed like a moody teenager, tip, stereotypical teenager stuff, but like, I'm a teenager with powers kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, I never really got the feeling that he was like a killer. Like, he didn't have that killer instinct. Yeah. And I think they're trying to like, I, I could see, yeah, that, they're trying but... to give that sort of arc of like moody teenager, like he's uh, fallen in among a bad crowd and he's slowly becoming a the, killer. A killer. But again, it's character development, so of it course didn't it happened. Yeah. Chapter eight. Kai Lang arrives on Omega disguised as one of Arya's bodyguards, which is a pretty impressive feat considering he was coming from the Citadel and she was coming from the Asari homeworld. It's <laughs> like talking about wait, 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 what? Yeah. <laughs> That happened a lot. That mm-hmm. that feeling of like time out. What? Oh yeah, there's there's a really good moment of that in the final chapter. <laughs> yeah, Corey, <laughs> screw the final chapter. Yeah. <laughs> I'm okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. Moving on. He settles in into an apartment and uses his contacts to find Jillian's location. Meanwhile, the Viaduct Underground and the Skulls are enacting their big heist a raid on a bank owned by Tilok that will propel them from being a minor street gang to major players in the politics of Omega. The raid goes well. They didn't make off with as much loot as they could have, and Nick is wounded. On the plus side, Nick gets a new booty call. <laughs> oh yeah, the little yeah. biotic Whoever she is. Is Isn't is she the one in the end? And he's no, 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 yeah. no, don't say anything yet. Okay, well, don't I, say anything yet, but I'm thinking yeah, no, you're thinking so, so. It, This is the same person. Because your notes about that part were hysterical. <laughs> so I read my brother's copy of the book. And so every time I'm going along, like, I, yeah, I'm you'll seeing, counter my post-it I'm notes. seeing his, um, his post-it notes. And I'm going, yeah, I, I agree. Yep, I agree. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good way to look at it. Oh, I like this, you know. <laughs> so I was like, why do I need to make notes? Corey just made all of them. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Oh, yeah, I wrote it in all caps. <laughs> but we're we'll going, get to, we're going to get to there. I'll read that when we get to that. Yes. Uh, I have a problem with specifically this guy referring to people by their last name. Yes, that is another thing I'd like to specifically call out. I... I know who Anderson is because he's Admiral Anderson. Yeah. I know who um, Kaylee Sanders is her last name? Yeah, that's yeah. the other thing. He calls men by their last names and women by their first names. Ooh, Ooh I didn't notice that. Yeah. Ooh. And that's sort of like a rig red flag for like the sexism. Yeah. He's not consistent. Because if yeah. he was consistent, even if it was like with um, people with the same last name. So like... Mm-hmm. Um, like Paul Grayson... Like, if he had stuck with Paul and Jillian using their first names because they both have the same last name, yes. or use their full name all the time, mm-hmm. I think that would have been helpful. But having a consistent way of referring to a character yes. would have um, helped. Mm-hmm. Like, my problem was that in the games, it was Arya. That's what she was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the badass crime boss of Omega. And I keep on like, okay, Arya. Arya's, you know, the one who's in charge of everything. Arya's the name you have to look out for. I have to look for Arya when I'm reading this to see if it's about her. Nope. It's Tilok. Just however you want to pronounce it. Tilok. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, it was more attention getting. It was more interesting in the fact that it's the space trope of your name has to be apostrophe-eyed to be alienish. Mm-hmm. But it just, it broke immersion for me because everyone always referred to her as Arya, not Tilok. Yeah. Chapter 9! Arya is pissed when she returns to Omega. She acts as her chief of security for 
not being fast enough to respond, and is about to sanction three prisoners, but one of them, Sheila, claims to know more about the murder of her daughter. She describes how Kai Lang, under the pseudonym of Manning, slit Lizella's throat after she'd already been tranquilized. Jillian enters the Afterlife, a bar owned by Tilok, and asks to speak with the Pirate Queen. She's being screened by her second-in-command when Arya, flanked by four bodyguards, walks in. Jillian tries to get Arya's attention, and her bodyguards take it about as well as you'd expect. <laughs> Jillian uses her biotic powers to turn two of them into a fine red mist before bolting out. Kai Lang has set up a sniper's nest in an apartment building outside the afterlife. Thanks to Tilok's arrival in Jillian's hasty retreat, he misses the shot on her. Cursing, he leaves the apartment, untying the resident because he's such a nice guy. Gosh, I mean, this honestly, he killed one of my favorite, like, one-off characters earlier in this book. Um, his last name was Obey, but he was the most... Sorry, let me just see if I can what, find it. Was it one of the... Was it one of the people who helped him get the body? Uh, no, it was just some random... He's the... Oh, was it the guy whose retina scans he needed? Uh, so far, the only person I can relate to, alright, is this unimportant character who's most likely to die in the next two to five pages. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right? What chapter are you on? Okay, I'm on page 100. Alright? Like, just... <clears throat> Wilbur Obey was a man of many habits. He always got up at 6.30 and was at work by 8, so he could leave at 5. Then came a stop at one of three restaurants for some takeout to carry home. Okay, I like the fact that his name is Obey, and he is very... Obedient to how do you say it? Obsequious. Whatever. He obeys. Fancy obey word for meaning obey because words. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um. See, I would expect something like that as someone who's like a like a high functioning person on the autism spectrum, having like very rigid schedules and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I would have expected something like that from more along the line of Grayson Gillian, not Paul. Mm-hmm. Anyways. But yeah, this was... You're, you're mad that he killed the, the person that you could relate with? Yes. <laughs> and that whole chapter kind of seemed like a whole series of bad decisions. Like, if you're this person, and you have these skills, and this is your job, why are you making these choices? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, he left an eyewitness mm-hmm. after, you know, we had just a big old chapter of Arya bemoaning the loss of the daughter that he murdered in cold blood mm-hmm. to remove a witness and then he just mm-hmm. lets this random old woman go or I don't know if she's old or not but I just saw yeah. an old woman I mean she's right across from uh from the club so like you know that Arya if Arya has a halfway competent security team like they're going to know all of the people in the buildings around there that you could conceivably take a sniper shot from I think that was another thing is that there's a lot of competency errors for everyone who's supposed to be all these mm-hmm. highly skilled operatives. I mean, I'm assuming that Dietz isn't a trained military person or anything like that or has mm-hmm. any tactical yeah. experience or anything like that. That is something that happens when you uh, do tell not show is that like you you don't have to show your characters being competent. You can just tell people that they're amazing and awesome. Yeah, yeah. By the way, if you're a writer, that was sarcasm, so don't take that seriously. Please, <laughs> for the love of God, don't. It makes the entire story absolutely boring. Yeah. 
I mean, I'm okay with it in like some summarizing scenes and stuff like that to like summarize like mm-hmm. long term events. I don't need to know the, the nitty gritty details of Frodo walking for you know seven for five hundred miles. Yeah. And uh, then walking five, for five hundred yeah. more. <laughs> <laughs> like <clears throat> Yeah, know. some summary is fine, but like these are the main characters. We should like be a bit more impressed by them. And we shouldn't be summarizing everything. Yes. Yeah. All right. Chapter 10. Anderson, Kaylee, and Hendel land on Omega and make make for a private newscaster. No, yeah. That was that sentence structure was kind of weird. Uh, I wrote that because, like, I I think by chapter 10 of my summary, I was completely done. <laughs> they land on Omega and find a private newscaster. The editor-in-chief fills them in on the bank robbery, which they connect back to Nick, and the attack at the afterlife, showing them security cam cam footage of Jillian ripping the bodyguards to pieces. A killer had been born. (laughs) They unsuccessfully try to contact the BU, before realizing that Jillian might be seeking sanctuary from the Quarians. The Quarians are none too happy with one of their adopted members picking a fight with the most powerful lady on Omega. They kick her out and renounce her citizenship, and a woman from the biotic underground named Corey Kim which I just realized that I mentioned earlier, picks her up and recruits her. Yeah, I completely missed that as well. Yeah. I thought she was a new character. I mm-hmm. did too. I didn't yeah, know that was earlier in the book. Uh, yeah, uh, when was. Nick was... Oggling. Yeah, when Nick was oogling uh, Mithra's on, yeah. uh, Kim was one of the people there, and she's like, oh. hey, yes, shape up Nick. Hmm. Well, she's the one who's, who's, who did the smack, I'm in charge. No, of. that that was my suggestion on how to improve that scene oh. and convey that. Because Kari Kim is like sort of like the lieutenant and Mithra Zahn is like the commander. Okay. In terms of the power structure there. I completely missed that. Yeah. She's not the little girlfriend booty call person. After no. The no, she's, she's not. not. No, no. Not, no. Right, Okay. No, because she would ha- if that was her, then she'd have less character development. <laughs> <laughs> Kai Lang is still tailing Jillian, waiting for the perfect opportunity to take her out, when he realizes that he knows this, o- this other woman. He and Corey Kim were in an alliance prison together, before being recruited by Cerberus. She got out, but they had a thing together. At the Corian warehouse, the supervisor informs Henderson, Andal, and Kaylee that they kicked Jillian out. Hendel does not take this very well, pulling a gun on the Corian and threatening bodily harm. This, this is another competency thing. Like, I get that... Because Hendel's been shown to, like... In the other scenes before this, where they're, like, trying to find uh, Jillian, there was no indication that he was kind of losing it. But there's a couple of scenes here where it's like, you have military training. You should not be doing this. I actually felt like that for the entire book. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. That you have military training. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's because I played the games or something like that. But mm-hmm. I don't know. But the the characters did not seem as if they had the appropriate psychological psychological responses to the competency that they should have. Plus, he was also on a Korean ship like before with... Jillian, so he might understand the politics better, but no, he just has an emotional outburst. I think Handel's character is that he has out-of-character moments. Mm-hmm. That's it. He just randomly just does something weird. 
Uh, where is it? Does it serve the plot at all? I don't think it serves the plot. No, it doesn't. It's it like, it's just like, yeah, it, no, it's their right of like, we're done with this scene. We need to wait to move on. So have Hendel point a gun at somebody and then whoever's in charge is like, okay, yeah, you need to leave. I like how that's, that's the only re- the, the tepid response of you need to go now, <laughs> sir. We need to leave. Have you leave the building after you pulled a gun on one of us? Uh-huh. It's like, I understand it's it's small sizely space Tijuana, Omega, uh-huh. whatever. But at the same time, they are docked on Omega. Someone pulls a gun or reaches for a gun. Their security people should have been all over it. Should have shot him. Straight yeah, away. like I would have been okay if he got shot right there. Mm-hmm. I, I would have been. I would have been like, oh. Because we're on Consequences. Yeah. Yeah. Next, they approach T-Loc, and Kaylee manages to cut a deal with the Pirate Queen. Before he died, Paul Grayson sends the contents of his hard drive to an unknown party, Kaylee, and wiped it so no one would find any secret Cerberus hideouts or the like. T-Loc agrees to change the bounty on Jillian to Alive and Unharmed, and she'll exchange Jillian for the data files. I think this is Kaylee's only use in the plot, is that she had stuff sent to her. Hmm. And even in the end, it's useless. Yeah, even in the end, it comes out to meaning nothing. Mm-hmm. I think, I don't know. The only, I think that it's part of the story that she is supposed to be the representation of, like, the mother figure, like, the person who's supposed to be caring for them and everything like that, and fretting and worrying and stuff. I think there's, like, several times when she, like, obsessively checks her extranet email or something like that mm-hmm. to see if they've contacted her at all. And I think that that was the intended purpose. It just doesn't come off that way. Yeah. Um, I was expecting, like, a very, like, emotional redemption scene with Kaylee being like, Nick, Jillian, come back. Come mm-hmm. back to the, the light or something like that. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, Didn't happen. We'll, we'll talk about it later. Chapter 11! Kim takes Jillian to the BU's new hideout, a compound they paid for using the money from t bank. The thugs give Jillian a pat-down that would chain the TSA, and find that the jewel she wears on her necklace is actually a data storage device. How the hell did she not know that? That got me too. I was like, wait a second. How are we almost three quarters of the book and we're just finding this out? Yeah, I mean, like, didn't you pass... Have you never been through any other security. security gates in however long it's been since the last book? She went to the Citadel, like the heart of. The yeah, garbage. and they didn't like give her a pat down there. More importantly, why are the thugs looking for data storage devices? Didn't they mention that they, so that there was no virus data bomb or something like that? Yeah, but Wait, like. Wouldn't the Citadel check? <sighs> yeah. Why are these guys more confident <laughs> security people than the Citadel? Yeah. I mean, granted. From what, I, from what I remember from the Citadel, it makes a little yeah, bit more sense. They, mm-hmm. they, they let Shepard on, and Shepard was dead. <laughs> okay, in Mass Effect 1... I can't decide if I want context for that or not. Some amount of context later. Nick shows up and introduces her to the rest of the leadership. The BU doesn't just want a piece of Omega's pie. They want to overthrow the Citadel government and establish a biotic meritocracy. This smells fishy to Jillian, but she sees an opportunity. So she convinces Mithrazon to eliminate Cerberus and the Elusive Man as a way of upping the BU's prestige. The Elusive Man summons Kai Lang to a Cerberus ship, and Lang gives him the old clip show rundown. The what? Uh, I think this comes from me watching too many cartoons in my late teens, early 20s. But it's sort of like 
every so often you'll get an episode that's just clips of oh, past those. episodes uh, pasted together so mm -hmm. that you can catch viewers up on what's been happening. Hmm. Like a 30 minute episode, but 15 minutes of it is replaying footage from a previous things, you know, the context yeah. of the situation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Arya steals the files from behind Kaylee's back and locks herself in her office beneath the afterlife. After almost a full day of nothing but reading, she matches the assassin with Kai Lang and uses her connections to find out where he is on Omega. Her forces try to corner him in a restaurant he frequents, but he manages to escape back to a safe house. Yeah, yeah. I'd say about a, as um, bland as the actual chapter was. Yeah. Uh -huh. I had a problem specifically with, again, like we were talking about earlier, about Cerberus being a terrorist organization and everything, and it's like, oh, let's kill Osama bin Laden for mm. this. Like, the Biotic Underground, to me, only felt like there was at max 20 people. Whenever mm -hmm. I was reading the scenes mm -hmm. described with it, it was like, all right, so let's have us 20 people who Deets only ever gives them the ability to throw people. Mm -hmm. like and he can do so much more the, the, Well, I think he mentions like the black hole ripping people Shot apart. Way. So I had problems with, with basically, hey, I'm a new recruit. Let's take down Al-Qaeda for the bounty money and rep so that we can become an even bigger thing here in the lawless wastelands of space, Tijuana. Well, I also saw Cerberus less as, like, space Al-Qaeda and more, like, the Mafia. Because, like, one of the details I like is that the elusive man has a PR person. <laughs> and at one point, like, he meets with his PR person and it's like, yeah, this is, like, the message we're trying to send. We've got people, like, spraying graffiti up in various places. Like, these sectors where there's some problems, but, like, we have a, a counterintelligence plan to deal with that. Like, that's cool. Isn't that what like the, the um, Islamic extremists are doing? Like they have like people go around posting different things and yeah, maybe stuff. I don't know. I I, I don't but like he has like different offices and like his own special ship. So like I he acts in this book more like he's a, a CEO, which may be how mm -hmm. actual terrorist organizations operate and how they see themselves. But whatever. Yeah, I'm not an expert. Uh huh. It just it stuck it rubbed me the wrong way that oh by the way let's go with the new recruits idea that we just picked up uh being kicked out of the Korean embassy or whatever mm -hmm. yeah like, well i mean she is like a level three baddock which is about as strong as you can get but at the same time that like logical response to that is okay that was a good idea are there any other suggestions <laughs> that don't get us killed <laughs> yeah because i'm also surprised that they know about that like Cerberus is on their radar. Like it's not implied that they really have a presence on Omega. Mm -hmm. Chapter 12. The Baudic underground also knows where Kai Lang is and Corey Kim and Jillian managed to surprise him in a safe house, taking him prisoner. Lang's monitor, a woman named Mara Mott, reports back to the elusive man. That's another scene that Kai Lang, you're not, you're not actually all that good, are you? Cause yes. like they replace. <laughs> He's they not. replace the guards on his safe house with biotic underground people. Right. And that's how they managed to infiltrate it. And it's like... It, how did he not notice? Yeah, how do you, like... Well, I think they said, like, oh, they changed the guards frequently. Yeah, but if Kai Lang's as smooth as an operator as he claims to be, then he would know the faces of all the guards. But if he was good, then the book would be over really quick. <laughs> <laughs> True. Would, it would have been a better book if he was good. I don't know. I, it rang bells to me that, oh, the guards changed. I was like, mm -hmm. looking around like, um, hello, are you going to, are you going to be suspicious? No, uh -huh. you're going to just 
Yep. Waltz right, Waltz right in. in like you own the place. Eat cereal like an adrenaline junkie. <laughs> Kaylee notices her computer has been hacked, and the only file accessed is the one clearly marked Grayson. She doesn't even notice that it's been Lady hacked. Lady, hide your porn. <laughs> right? <laughs> she doesn't even notice it's been hacked. Like, some security sweep thing's like, you've been hacked. Yeah, and like, it's like, the file marked Grayson is like... Oh, hold on. When was this book written? Uh, 2012. 90s, right? Oh. Oh. 2012, like... I think we should know how computers sort of operate a bit and describe... You should know yeah. how to hide your porn by now. Description was a problem here. She, Anderson, and Hendel confront Arya about the theft, and she basically shrugs and says, Yeah, so? Hendel, once again the bastion of cool thinking, threatens her with physical violence. It's fine, though. This time he's unarmed. <laughs> no. He's Wait, a biotic. He, uh, yeah, he's a biotic. Oh, which I didn't know until this scene. Yeah, me too. He is? I, I He's com- literally said, I'm bi- biotic. Yeah, to which Arya counters, I yeah, I'm a sorry. I'm naturally good at, with biotics, and I've got four people with very large guns who and an itchy trigger, trigger finger. And he pushes it, and she just, <laughs> stunner. I would have been okay if he died there, too. Yep. <laughs> Kai Leng wakes up in a prison cell and recalls his backstory. He... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it's really like, oh, I'm in prison. I guess it's time for a flashback. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing else interesting is going on yep. with me. He and Kim had been special forces frogs, and he'd go to the Krogan into attacking him before killing the lizard in a bar fight. Can you... Special forces frogs? Uh, frog is a... It's a military term. Like I might have like misused it, but I think it's like code for like uh, operative who's trained in aquatic infiltrations. Okay, yeah, I was just making sure you weren't being. Yeah, like, no, I wasn't towards the French. Yeah, we. <laughs> oui. The Human Space Alliance gave him twenty years, and Corey Kim got five in a self-governing prison named Hell's Half Acre. And I have a very big problem with the concept of a self-governing prison. It's actually a trope in the sci-fi, uh, sci-fi really? thing. Really? Because yeah. I would think that the minute the minute there's a power outage, all of those prisoners are coordinating and bum-rushing the guard tower in a bid for freedom. Yeah, that's uh, one of the plots of them, actually, the self-governing uh, prisons. Um, you, mean, you mean the main plot point of them is that they're horrible ideas? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, the whole point of the prison system is to separate unwanted elements of society away from uh, the rest of the, the mm-hmm. aggrieved party. And so, like, you can do that by isolating everyone, and they have, like, different... Um, yeah, there's different tiers, tiers of, like, security. And I could understand if this was, like, a low-security prison, but, like, this is specifically, like, for, like, all of, like, the rapists and murderers. And it's a prison nicknamed Hell's Half Acre. Like, you don't... You don't leave the people that you put in a place called Hell's Half Acre to sort things out for themselves. Well, I think that... Well, so you should really watch the Riddick series. They, okay. They sort of solve, they don't solve that. I'll they, put they it on my mile-long list of movies I haven't seen. Yeah. Um, but there's different ideas of uh, like private prisons and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, For-profit prisons where they get paid for... Mm-hmm. You know, Doing certain, uh, actually, they even uh, talk about the for-profit priv- prisons in Mass Effect Two when you spring one of your crewmates. Hmm. Yeah. 
It's basically a, a, a mafia protection racket style thing. Like you guys pay us, or we'll release these guys down on your planet to. Oh, okay. I was gonna figure it's like a exploitation thing, like almost like the real U.S. prison system. <laughs> Zing. But um. Anyways, so the self-governing thing is that they're trying to keep people away from and out of the normal population, and who cares if they kill each other? Mm-hmm. It's not like they're people who they want around anyways. Yeah. I mean, like, I get that angle, but it's like, if these people are the worst of the worst, like, you know, like, people fashion, like, chivs out of, like, basically any piece of plastic they can get their hands on. Like, you know that they're going to... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. and, like the, these people are desperate and have like nowhere to go you don't leave these people unsupervised one of them will start building a new cut of shoelaces or something like that yeah or like hey I like smuggling messages to like the outside and like find an agent at a power plant and it's like hey yeah the lights are gonna go out for 30 minutes uh, at midnight on Tuesday and then like you and all of your buddies just gang up and bum rush the guards when the lights go out. Do you talk about the summary of how Kylan gets out of prison at all? And how, how does he get out? Some Cerberus guy recruits him. And oh yeah, out. that's that's later. Okay. Uh, inside, a Cerberus recruiter approaches them, promising them freedom if they'll help protect humanity from the zoo animals. So, my whole problem with this book is that it peripherally validate the Kylan's human-centric mm-hmm. Cerberus values or everything by not delving into the aliens at all. I mean, that yeah. was the cool part about Mass Effect was all the new, new and different aliens and the lore and the different biologies and the cultures and everything. Yeah, like Arya is the only alien that matters. Everyone else in the book is human. Essentially, or an alien that gets shot or completely bypassed. Uh-huh. Like, right. I don't know. Another I thing wanted that, more aliens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wanted some more aliens. You're yeah. right. mm-hmm. Chapter 13! The elusive man receives a ransom note from the Biotic Underground. They want 10 mil, and they want the elusive man to deliver it personally. While Lang did get captured by a bunch of third-rate hacks, his services are still valuable somehow, so the IM <laughs> counters with five. Ari and her folks, having no luck finding the biotic underground and wanting to save face after the bank heist, kick in the skull's door and kill them. Yeah. 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 That, that was basically, yeah. Mm-hmm. And doesn't she, like, capture, like, the main guy and then, like, keep him in a cage and, like, Which parade is him around? Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally mm-hmm. I thought that sort of helped her rep as a, as a boss, but mm-hmm. that literally had no significance to the plot other than to say that Arya is a badass. Yeah. But she also has a sweet side, because she encounters the same prisoner that told her and then, like, releases her. Yeah. Like, I could, I could understand, like, okay, yeah, they, they put a bounty on this. The fact that they asked the elusive man to deliver it personally is a that's a that's a huge red flag. Like fortunately Yeah, like fortunately he catches on to it. But it's like wouldn't you send a message but be like Really? Well at the same time they are a, a new gang that supposedly has like no connection to any any movement or anything that like that mm-hmm. other than the biotics are like the key. So it's sort of like one terrorist organization blackmailing another terrorist organization. It's like, mm-hmm. um, I don't know how a the writer thought 
that it would work, or B, the writer thought that Gillian thought, thought that it would work. work, or the writer thought that Gillian thought it would work, and then the group decided to go with it. Mm. Like, yeah, that's the thing. There had two levels of dumb in this. A, somebody had to think of that, and B, the rest of the Biodoc Underground had to be like, no, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's go with this. Oh, boy. All right. Chapter 14! Mithrazon and the BU strategize about Kai Lang and the negotiations with the Elusive Man. Anderson gets a call from the Salarian Councilman asking about the search for whoever stole Grayson's body. And in the book, it's like literally in a moment of like, oh yeah, I'm supposed to be doing that. <laughs> Uh, I'll call you back. Yeah, because the whole book, he hasn't been focused on what he's supposed to do. Yeah, yeah he's just been running off do, doing his own things instead of, like, engaging Torn. with his responsibilities. Or, yeah. where's Nick? I don't know. And then he, like, loses track of that, and who knows what he's supposed to do. That's okay, Leanna. Which honestly doesn't fit Anderson from what I remember of him from the game. Yeah, no, like, if you get yeah. whoever whoever the hell it was that voiced him. That, that's not a guy that you get to voice characters who are absent-minded. Hendel has set up a stakeout next to the premier supplier of biotic implants on Omega, reasoning that even if it takes weeks or months, sooner or later, either Nick or Jillian will visit for a tune-up. Naturally, this doesn't take months, and Hendel manages to tail Nick back to the BU's hideout. The place is heavily fortified and would take a small army to break into. Fortunately for Hendel, Anderson, and Kaylee, they know just the woman. It was all very convenient. Like, yeah. he's yes. there for a while. He's just starting to just get smelly. And then somebody comes along that he needs to see, you know? Yeah, was... like, I don't... That's another thing. It's like, they're dodgy with how long they're on Omega. But it's implied that, like, you don't need to go up in for a tune-up, like, that often. So this is sort of like a Hail Mary strategy. Uh, yeah, yeah. See, I've been okay if, like, he was, like... If the previous scenes, like, where he had, like, his drunken outburst... I would have been okay if, like, the drinking had been, like, a, a casual part of, like, his, his increasingly disturbing behavior, and he's just, like, drunk sitting here waiting uh -huh. for it to happen. I think that would have been more in character of, of like, the Hail Mary thing. He's just, like, got empty vodka bottles or something. Yeah, it's like, like screw it, I can sit here and drink, and maybe they'll show up. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah, this is, like, the part of Hendel that... This is Hendel as a competent military person, which contrasts with... Like what we've not, been seeing. Yeah, what we've been seeing of him does mm. not match. Is that uh, he is not in his right mind. I think that it shows when he bursts into the high-class restaurant looking like a bum. Mm. Oh, yeah, you know he does do that. I thought that you guys read this book like a little bit before us, so you guys mm -hmm. have more of the beginnings. So. No, I finished it last night. Oh. I finished it today. <laughs> she finished yeah. it on the ride over. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Corey Kim takes Kai Lang out for a walk and outlines an escape plan. She's been a mole in the biotic underground this entire time. Apparently they had a thing for each other. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently it's still going, quote-unquote. Yeah. The escape doesn't go to plan, and Lang and Kim are both recaptured. It was the stupidest escape plan I ever heard of. It was. Yeah. No, and like, Gillian... I think Corey Kim just like... Karate chops her on the back of the neck to knock Just her out. Austin Powers judo chop. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think she throws her. Yeah. Which, by the way, I think that yeah, the, she all, does the, throw all her. the quotation throws always threw me off whenever um, he talked about using powers. Particularly mm -hmm. because I'm, I'm never used to someone using like a um, uh, the name of a move, move or something like that. Um, 
Like specifically with like Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, RPG like you expect things. it to be like a capital, force throw or something. Or a capital letter. Oh I think, yeah. I think mm-hmm. she threw with a capital T. Instead of doing quotation marks that implies like that it's not actually a throw. Yeah. It was just it was another nitpick again about Yeah, the, little stylistic yeah. thing. Alright. Chapter fifteen. Arya gets a call from the elusive man. He wants the Pirate Queen's muscle to retrieve Kai Lang without paying the ransom. She accepts his offer and hangs up, telling him that she already knows where Lang is being kept. The BU find Cory Kim guilty of treason. Jillian is tasked with executing her, since Kim had almost effortlessly knocked Jillian out during the escape attempt. She carries out the sentence, though she doesn't revel in the glory as much as Nick did. Not that Nick did, but he was like... There's mm-hmm. points in the book where like Nick gets very brooding in emo. Yes. And that's another, that's another thing I don't like nick all that much uh it would have been cool if they like played up the contrast between nick killing that one guy from the skulls and jillian killing Corey kim Mm -hmm. well i think the guy from the skulls it was like fight this guy or get killed yeah Mm -hmm. okay i had to do it but with with uh jillian it's just cold-blooded you just executed somebody like i i thought that was extremely out of character for some reason Mm -hmm. to not have at least more of a moral quandary but I was speed reading through it, and I actually like went back and reread it because I thought that she shot the um, Mithra Vaughn person yeah. instead. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I got really excited because we were like, oh, that's interesting. Finally. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, like I'm turning on my captors. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. Nope. Mott conferences with the elusive man, telling him how Kai Lang slit Lizella Tilok's throat. It's too late to stop Arya since she's more than likely already headed to kill a Kai Lang, but the elusive man has an idea to keep Kai Lang alive. Jillian's been promoted to Corey Kim's old position. Even better, the BEO are preparing for the handoff. Jillian will be part of the party supervising the exchange. Nick and most of the soldiers will stay at the base. While Mott scouts out the crematorium the exchange will be taking place in, Hendel scouts out the interconnected system of ventilation sa- shafts he and Arya's goons will use to infiltrate the BU. I think... The one thing that I will say that I liked about this book is this particular section. Not for the action and everything like that, but just for the drama of the the, the, the interconnected. Yes. I am a... F- Have you ever watched Transformers Prime? My friends tried to get me to watch it. I uh... Okay, yeah. They do a very good job in that show of the politics and maneuvering of things. Of, like, we know that this person knows, so, like, it's race of... Where can we send our forces to, like, maximize what we're trying to do? Yeah, like, I actually enjoyed the the whole interplay of, I ought to come to ground and have something, and they're trying to get the elusive man to get yeah. something, and the elusive mm-hmm. man's using Arya to do something, and Arya wants to use the elusive man to get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that was interesting. That mm-hmm. was cool, that was interesting, that was fun. Mm-hmm. The day of the handoff, Hendel crawls back through the ducks and into the hideout. He takes out two nameless, faceless minions before Nick biotically shoves him to the th- Floor. He reveals one of those faceless minions was Marissa, his fiance, before shooting Hendel. Moments later, Nick is also fatally wounded. Let's talk about this in greater oh my detail. Dear God. This was the most bullshit. I'm sorry. Bull- yeah, I'm going to read. <laughs> I'm going bull- to read my notes on, notes on this. You did not funny. just pull the "we are going to be married" card because <laughs> what happened is. That- did that ever show up previously, or did he just like? He no, I think he, no. Just, he just needed something to put there. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, so what happens is, Hendel like is on the floor, looks up at Nick Donahue, who's pointing a gun at him. Says, 
Mr. Mitra, Nick exclaimed. What are you doing here? You killed Marissa. Fighting raged all around, and Hendel was dimly aware of a ground-shaking boom as he propped himself up on his elbows. Marissa, was she your girlfriend? Yes, damn you, we were going to be married. <laughs> that is on the end of the page. So I got page 308. You bastard, you rotten bastard. First you killed Marissa, and then you have the balls to claim it's my fault. I got that, and I was like, wait, what happened? Yeah. And then I look on the... I have to go back and reread the previous page to discover that he does the, like, we were going to be married. Like, you can't, you can't use that on a character that has appeared literally once as... And then mentioned. Like, as the brown-headed... Is, is Marissa mentioned again? Um, when he's tailing Nick. Oh, okay, yeah, but she's never... She's not mentioned by name in that scene. Yeah, no, he's never. just like, oh, he's got a girlfriend now. Good job, Nick. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Kind of thing. Uh, that that sort of threw me for a loop. Yeah, like I think we I... needed more interaction with Marissa. Like Mar Marissa needed to be like a little more. It feels like there was like about like a quarter inch thick of pages missing about interaction with Nick and everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, like it feels like he did a good job, of like sort of like exploring Jillian. Wandering around and interacting with different groups and everything like that. Yeah, but Nick just shows level. up on the... But Nick pops up like five different times to be like, oh, I'm doing this. I am now doing this. I am you know, now a soldier in this gang. Uh-huh. Kind of thing. But like... I, yeah. What would have been nicest to see Nick uh, interacting more with the two people from the gym? Because I think they were like his contacts. And, yeah. Like they were like, oh, hey, I yeah. I completely mm -hmm. forgot about them. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, th I think they were the people who were like, yeah, hey, we're, like, doing this thing to, like, mm -hmm. you know, fight the power and start our own government. Like, you want in on this? Mm -hmm. And, like, slowly, like, not brainwashing, They're but what's the process? They're never mentioned again. What's the process of, like, indoctrinating him? Yeah. Yeah. Chapter 16! Final chapter! Arya, Anderson, and Kaylee arrive through the main door as most of the fighting is dying down. Anderson and Kaylee spot Nick, and with his dying breath, he tells them about the crematorium. Taluk's number two puts Nick out of his misery, and Anderson and Kaylee steal a gyrocycle, hoping they're not too late. I had a problem <laughs> Okay. First of all, okay, I obviously was skimming and fueled at rage, with rage at 2.30 in the morning when I was mm -hmm. at this point. I, I read the rest of this book out of spite, Corey. I almost didn't finish it. <laughs> I just, I'm finishing it. Screw it. And so I didn't really notice that that guy was the second in command. Mm -hmm. uh, this random name popped up and sh shot the guy. I was like, you did not just uh, kill the guy that they were all looking for with some random no-name goon. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess he did have a name, but like... He might as well not. I, I, yeah. I don't think he did anything else but shoot Nick. Yeah, because I think the rest of the time the Biotic Underground are like planning, it's just Corey, Kim, uh, Mithrazon, and Jillian. Uh, I think this guy was... Uh... Arya's, uh... Oh, no, Arya's second-in-command. Okay, yeah. sorry. Yeah, he was the guy who was screening Jillian before. I'm sorry, I completely... Oh, no, it's it's easy with this book. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Like, I don't know, I just had a problem with that. I had a problem with, um, like, let's talk, and then phew, you got shot. Like, who, who, what soldier doesn't maintain peripheral security awareness of things mm -hmm. moving around? And, like... Granted, I did like the fact that Someone shot him in cold blood while he was already mortally mm -hmm. wounded and everything like that. I was like, oh, okay, so these guys are, you know, assholes yeah. and mm -hmm. I was blooded kind of, like, angry about the fact they're not, like, you, you shot one of our allies out of, in cold blood. 
I think he mentions that. What was Nick oh. killed um, Hendel? Oh yeah, you 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 were upset with Nick killing Hendel. It's just like you just just they just killed him off like that. There's no emotional attachment to. You're only angry about these deaths. Mm-hmm. Like, There's no like. Yeah. Cry. You're angry at the author, all right, and at the stupidity of a character. I will agree with you on that. That I was, I did not feel like, oh no, Handel died. Oh no, Nick died. I was like, that was retarded. That was yeah, dumb. That was this. That's why I wrote my profanity fuel. Yep. Um, oh, you're not even talking about the last page. No, yeah, we're not. Not even talking about the last page. I'm talking about that part specifically. That I was like, it was just a bunch of crap. All right. Yeah. Okay. So at the crematorium, as promised, the elusive man is there with the money. Jillian confronts him about her father's death, and he says the experiments he ran on Grayson gave him the data to make an army of superbiotics. Jillian goes berserk, attacking the IM with everything she has, only to realize that he's a hologram. An illusion, if you will. <laughs> Kai Lang uses the opportunity to bum-rush Jillian, and after a short struggle, stabs her in the neck with a sharpened toothbrush. <laughs> with, a d- with her dying breath, she entrusts Anderson and Kaylee with the data crystal. I was just... How does the main character of a four-book series get prison-shanked by a toothbrush in the final chapter? Yeah. Of... Oh, I I don't think. Or was she a main character? No, she was the main character. Uh, she's presented. I think Anderson is the main character throughout really? all of these. Sh- yeah. He didn't do. Uh... <laughs> That's the problem. They never really clearly defined who it's about, or yeah, if it's I think about it's... like three main stories that are going to weave together. Fine, uh-huh. but they never really defined that at the beginning. Yeah. So now the end's a little messy, too. Yeah. All right. Back at the Citadel, the Council aren't convinced by the data on the crystal. It does prove that Cerberus has some advanced technology, which they already knew from studying Paul Grayson's body, but not that this is specifically linked to the Reapers. They tell the two to go back to the drawing board. Anderson and Kaylee plant trees for Hendel, Nick, and Jillian in a memorial garden on a planet called Eden Prime. As the sun sets, the pair resolve that they will pursue Mithrazon tomorrow, but today is a day for remembering the dead. So they just throw out the name Mithrazon right at the end as like, that's the person that we have to go find. Despite the fact that Mithrazon is connected to the biotic underground and not the person... Uh, sun started to dip below in Prime's western horizon. Da, 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 da. It's beautiful, she said after. As David put an arm around her soldiers. Especially after Omega. So glad you came. Very. We needed this. I agree. But there's still work to be done. You mean the army that Gillian referred to? Yes. Maybe Gillian was wrong. Mithrazon might know, but she got away. Okay. Mithrazon doesn't know jack shit about... It's Cerberus. The bio- yeah, it's Cerberus. Not the biotic underground. Hold on. Let me go back up to Gillian. Gillian's death scene. I think that, was she trying? To tell them about an army? So it's like, data from my father, taken from Cerberus, Reapers, all about them, and yes, and an army, the elusive man told me, my father was the first. Like, why would you expect that Mithrazon, the person of the Biotic Underground, knows the actions of Cerberus? She must have been working for Cerberus in the previous draft. Hmm. Huh, maybe. Like, that's the only explanation I could think of to why you would introduce such a huge 
plot hole slash boneheaded thing on the last page. Like, literally, the book ends two lines after that. I hate the fact that they ended up ended the book staring off into the sunset. Uh, granted, I did flip to the end of the book. Yeah, right when you the, got it. Right when I got it, just to see what kind of crap we were dealing with. And I was just like, bleh. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is so cliche. And I have not been proven wrong yet. Yes. Words cannot explain the depth of my anger and revulsion at this title. Yeah, it's... Numbers 10. This is getting a 1 out of 10. I'm sorry. Zero. Yeah, I was, going to, I was going to rate things on a scale of forget it, skim it, rent it, or buy it. So this is definitely forget this. Yes. J this, this deserves to be forgotten. Yes. I like that rating scale. Forget it, rent it, skip it, skim it, or buy it. Yes. I like that. Mm-hmm. Was it forget it, skim it? Skip. Yeah, forget, forget skim, skim, rent, rent buy. buy. Yes. I like that. I like, I like that. It. Let's use that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, you don't need to... I mean, on the plus side, it was great practice for Mass Effect 3 endings and Mass Effect Andromeda. <laughs> I, I think Mass Effect Andromeda had better story than this did. Like, I really want you to, like, play Mass Effect 2. Mm -hmm. Not even Mass Effect 1. I want you to play Mass Effect 2. Mm -hmm. Just so you can cleanse your soul of this particular... Um, Book. Mm -hmm. A disease. Still. Yes. <laughs> now, nice, I, okay. I will say that this book does deserve to be forgotten. does not deserve to be forgotten. Purely based on its continuity errors and problems with the plot. Yes, no. My problems with this book are that... The writing style does not agree with me personally. Other people might like that sort of high-level summary and skimming mm -hmm. of de information and details. Yep. You're um, allowed to like crap. You are allowed to like crap. We will judge you for it, though. And the other things that it deserves to be forgotten for is the extreme lack of attention paid to the setting. This mm -hmm. book could have been set on Earth, 1950s, with gangsters and gangs. Yeah, wouldn't have made a difference. Wouldn't have made a difference. Yeah. And the interesting thing about the Mass Effect series is that it is space. It yeah. is aliens. It is so much other interesting things that are going on, and this just felt like a... I don't know, it felt like a, a bland sort of... I, I have no idea how to, to explain it other than... If Mass Effect was like a uh, a food, some sort of food like, thing, like a plate of food, this is like a cockroach, like half a cockroach sitting at the end of something that you realize you just bit into. Mm -hmm. It's it it doesn't offer anything. It offers you know heartbreak and <laughs> rage and like disgust and everything like that. But it's it does not offer anything. It does not add anything to it. it. Doesn't even use any of the things that were there other than window dressing to mm -hmm. do something with is to... yeah my take on this is at the start we got a scene of anderson and the council saying hey like there's this threat here that we need to take care of and the council's like uh why don't why don't you do it uh and at the end we got a scene of anderson and the council saying hey there's this threat we've got to deal with and the council's like, uh, no. Like, 
literally nothing has been accomplished in this book aside from the killing of three characters. Yeah. Granted, that is true to canon council. It is. Yeah, I mean, like, the. I will admit I said that as much in my introduction to Mass Effect that I read earlier. I, you should, it should be worth, nothing happened. Exactly. Nothing happened in this book. All right. Uh, I think my favorite line is back in chapter six. Uh-huh. And it says, the most significant challenge is apathy, social integration, and the passage of time. Because if humanity loses its identity, the battle will be lost without a single shot being fired. I thought it was interesting that he talked about apathy or you know it was almost like he was trying to make them that line just jumped out at me like he was trying to get like a a message across Mm -hmm. with the book whereas the rest of the book didn't really even have a message yeah and that message is probably stolen from mass effect 2 i don't know actually it's been too long for you to like analyze mass effect 2 i mean isn't that like the goal of mass effect 2 was basically to prove to the council and everyone else that, yo, the Reapers are coming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, specifically, like, Cerberus. Cerberus was trying to do that, but they also had ulterior motives. Okay. And, okay, I, I will admit, like, a previous statement that it was a completely horrible book. There were elements in it that I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. There were, like, the the whole assassin theme. Mm-hmm. There was the, the political maneuvering. There was the... Um, just the, the whole mindset behind uh, different characters and things like that. My problem was the execution. Mm-hmm. That was just my problem with it. They didn't... The book there not, was the some book, potential, yeah. but... There was mm-hmm. potential, it never went anywhere, and the book did not add anything to the Mass Effect lore. Yeah, that's why I sort of get the impression that this was a summary written by one writer and fleshed out by another. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... I think that's going to be it for this time thank you for joining us uh next week or not next week god because that would be a horrible pace for oh, a yes. podcast where four adults with works lives have to read a novel and discuss it next month's book will be magic the gathering the brothers war by jeff grubbs book one in the artifice cycle thank you oh, for thank joining god us it's book one what 